In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. gospel lessons for the last two Sundays have had something in common. They both had a Samaritan as the hero of the, of the uh, lesson. The uh, two Sundays ago we, we had gospel lesson was the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. Last Sunday was the parable of the ten lepers that were healed by Jesus. Both feature a Samaritan. And Father Mark did an excellent job of giving us the major interpretations of both those stories. But there, there's been something that's been bugging me for the last two, well, three weeks now about, about both of these readings. It, it's a little thing. Uh, I've never heard a sermon preached on it. In fact, I've never even seen anything in print about this. I've looked and found it. But the question that keeps money in my mind why would Jesus make a Samaritan the hero of his story? Or why would a Samaritan be the hero of, of something that happened with Jesus? Now, Father Mark did an excellent job two Sundays ago about telling us what a Samaritan was, what Samaritans were. Uh, back in the 8th century, you remember, the, uh, the Assyrian, Assyrians conquered Israel, the northern ten kingdoms, of Israel and uh, took most of them back into captivity. I think there was a remnant that was left. And then Assyrians moved into the area as well and mixed with the, the native people. So it's a mixed race. They were the ones that opposed the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem and the temple in Jerusalem when the exiles came back from Babylon in the, uh, what was it, the fifth century? Even to the point of violence. You can read about this in the, in the Old Testament books, Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, I, I would encourage you to do that. So they're not too long. It's easy to read. It's good reading. So these are who the Samaritans were, and the Jews hated the Samaritans. They worshiped the same God, but in different ways. The Samaritans only believed in the first five books of the Bible, what's called the Pentateuch. Whereas the Jews believed in the entire Hebrew Bible, prophets, wisdom literature. The uh, Samaritans worshipped on Mount Gerizim in, uh, in Samaria. The Jews, of course, worshipped at the temple in Jerusalem. So the Samaritans, as far as the, as far as the Jews were concerned, were, were social outcasts. They were ceremonially unclean, a mixed race maybe above all else, they were religious heretics. And the question in my mind keeps coming, why, why would somebody like that be the hero of a story in the New Testament? The Good Samaritan is really put in heroic terms. After all, he, he delayed his own journey. He spent great energy to help this person. He risked danger in himself. He paid out two days' wages right up front, promised to pray more. Truly heroic. And then the healing of the ten lepers. The lepers uh, went on their way, healed. Only one of them came back to 
to show genuine gratefulness and thankfulness. It was a Samaritan. Why would Jesus cast such people as heroes in these stories? One thing that came into my mind was, was a theme that we see all the way through the Bible, but especially in, in the New Testament, especially in the, in, in the teachings of Jesus, a theme that I'll call reversal of fortunes. Reversal of fortunes. Things that aren't always really what they seem. For example, a poor widow puts two pennies in the, in the offering plate. And Jesus says, she gave more than everybody else. Reversal. Jesus said, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. Are you starting to see this reversal of fortunes things? The disciples at one point argued among themselves who was the greatest. And Jesus overhears it and he says, He who is the least among you is the greatest. See that reversal? The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. At one of our uh, parish meals a number of weeks ago, I was waiting for other people to go through the line and get their food. Sharon came up to me, Sharon Kirk came up to me, and she says, says, says Deacon, you better get in here and get something to eat. I said, I kind of flippantly said, no, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Sharon snapped back and said, yeah, around here, the last will be hungry. <laughs> Sharon, I'm not so sure you've got this reversal thing. Why <laughs> We expect our heroes to be respectable, don't we? We expect them to be righteous. But in these two stories, the, the, the hero turns out to be an outcast, a heretic. It occurred to me that maybe uh, <clears throat> Jesus was doing this just to uh, get people's attention. You know, Jesus did that quite often in the Gospels. He would say something unexpected, sometimes something even offensive, in order to get attention, make his point. For example, Jesus said, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. He who eats me shall live because of me. I, you know, it, this sounds kind of awful even to us. And we know what he meant. Can you imagine what it sounded like to an Orthodox Jew listening to this in Jesus' time? A long time ago, I was giving a, 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 I was teaching a lesson for a woman's, women's group in the, in the church. And in passing, I referred to a quote of Jesus. I quoted Jesus as saying, If anyone does not hate his own father and mother, he cannot be my disciple. There was a woman in that meeting. She came up out of her chair and she said, Jesus never said anything like that. I was kind of stunned, a little shocked. It took me a while to, to get my composure back. I didn't know exactly what to do. I finally ended up thinking, well, I, the only one thing I can do, I opened up the Bible and showed it to her. I don't know who she was angrier at, me or Jesus. 
So is this what Jesus was doing? Poking the wasp nest? Kicking over the fire ant mound? You know, it gets a rise out of us when someone thinks the villain, at least the thing we think is the villain, thinks the villain is really the hero. My uh, psychology professor in college, Dr. Max Leach, uh, he was kind of a porky sort of guy, just the kind of person you expect to be teaching psychology in college. He took one of his classes one time to the wrestling matches. Now, any of you here uh, ever watch wrestling, professional wrestling? Uh, I, I won't ask for a show of hands. Uh, you might not want to admit to that, especially in church. But I bet you, uh, you, you you've noticed that uh, even though some people might think wrestling is real, uh, if you watch real close, it's kind of like a melodrama, isn't it? There's the bad guy, the villain, and then the good guy, the villain, he always fights dirty. And, and it's been my observation that the villain fighting dirty is just beating the tar out of the good guy about for about three quarters of the match. And then all of a sudden the good guy rallies and still fighting fair, he managed to vanquish the villain. That's what he used to go to. Well, Dr. Leach took his class to the wrestling matches and he instructed his students, root for the villain and boo the hero. So they did. Everybody was mad at him. Even the wrestlers got agitated. <laughs> I heard from one that he felt like they were lucky to get out of their life. We don't like, we don't like to see the villain made into the hero. So is this what Jesus was trying to do? Unsettle people? Rooting for the villain? You know what I think is going on here, though. I think Jesus was trying to point out to the smug and righteous people of his time that they may not be as close to God as they think they are. That it just could be that the outcast, the heretic who demonstrates kindness are the unclean sinner who truly gives thanks to God, those people may be the ones that are closer to God. I've uh, been a pastor most of my adult life. But I've made my living as a businessman for 40-some-odd uh, years now. And I've noticed something. Uh, doing business with all kinds of different people, the people that wear their religion on their sleeves, you know the kind of people I'm talking about? People that are always talking about what Jesus has done for them. How I've been saved by Jesus. You know what I'm talking about. Those people are the people that are really more likely to cheat me, or try to take advantage of me, or not fulfill their commitments to take me. And on the other hand, some of the most honest people people of integrity that I've known doing business. They've pretty much been heathens. I don't think they ever give any thought to church or God or anything else. Isn't that something? 
Do you remember Roger Williams from your American history? Roger Williams came to the Massachusetts Bay Colony with the Puritans. You remember the Puritans. They were persecuted in England for their religious beliefs, and so they fled to the New World to, to, to have freedom of religion. But uh, it turned out, once they got here, that they did believe in freedom of religion, but only freedom in religion for them, not for anybody else. <clears throat> well, Roger Williams did truly believe in the freedom of religion. Also believed in the separation of church and state. And he talked about those kinds of things. That upset the leaders of Massachusetts Bay Colony to no end. In fact, they ordered him not to speak of these things in public. And he, he complied. He didn't. But he had people come to his house around the dinner table still talk, talk about those things. Well, still infuriated the leaders that they banished Roger Williams out of the colony. Drove him out while he was sick in the middle of a winter blizzard into the wilderness by himself. Roger Williams would write about that later and say, well, the best part about being driven out in a blizzard in the middle of the winter, the streams and the rivers were all frozen that I had to cross. I didn't get wet. He would have died except for one thing. The savage, heathen Indians took him in, gave him shelter, gave him food. Roger Williams would eventually find his way south and found, found his own colony, Rhode Island. And Rhode Island would be the first colony in the Americas, in the New you know, it would really be the first community, human community, probably anywhere in the history of the world where religious tolerance and freedom was truly practiced and where there was truly the separation of church and state. I mean, Roger Williams even let the Quakers in, and he despised the Quakers. Roger Williams, for the rest of his life, would remember that it was his Christian brothers who no doubt had the love of Jesus in their hearts who drove him out into the foreign, into the frozen wilderness to a certain death. And it was the godless, savage, heathen Indians who gave him food and shelter and cared for him. Now back to our two stories. The priest traveling on the road, seeing the wounded man. The priest, I'm sure he was a very religious person, but he walked on by and didn't help. The Levite, I'm sure he was a, a very righteous person, but he walked by on the other side didn't help. He was a Samaritan, an outcast, a hated heretic. He stopped to help. Ten lepers were healed, Nine of them on the way that realized they're healed. And I'm sure they went on to uh, do their religious duty at the temple. Only one, a Samaritan, an outcast, a heretic. Only he came back to thank Jesus, to give glory to God. So, what do you think? 
Who's closer to God? The good religious people who ignored the suffering? Or was it the outcast who stopped by the hell? What do you think? Who was the other? Who do you think was the one closer to God? The nine who did not give thanks to Jesus or praise God? But what about their religious duty? Or maybe was it the outcast who came back to give thanks to Jesus and praise God? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost.